dealing with the issue of, of got milk, talking about the sincere word of God. And uh, we kind of started this little series. What is it that makes you lose your appetite for the word of God? And so two weeks ago, we, we gave you all this gross stuff about hairs and Chinese food and bugs in your salad and stuff like that. And Nancy Passion one time that went to Piccadilly's, which was in the Norman Mall. It was a restaurant. She got a big old salad. This is why I don't eat salads. She put ranch dressing on it, and she crunched on something, and it was a live beetle bug. That's why we don't go to Piccadilly's anymore. That's why I don't eat salad. So, so we talked about, and once you experience something like that, you lose your appetite. You just do. You go, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And so um, I kind of took that little concept to the Word of God. Why is it that First Peter chapter 2, verse 2, says for us to desire or demand or crave, but demand the sincere milk of the Word. Like newborn babes, we've got to have it to grow. It doesn't mean he's not saying that we, as the milk of the Word of God, that we're babies because we've got to have it. That's not what he's saying. He said babies, when they are unwrapped from their mother, they say, listen, we can hold up on the photo shoot. I've got to have some milk. I'm going to scream and kick till I get it. And every one of us, and I, the concept is, you should be demanding the milk of the Word of God. You should be insisting. You should be throwing a fit until I feed you God's Word. Amen. And if you're not, then you have issues. Because we're not going to get into this concept, but I'll tell you that Jesus brings out the light. If, if we don't desire the Word of His Father, then we're not His. So that should, be, that should be a very awakening thought to us. So hopefully this morning, and we can say, how many here says, I crave the word of God? Just say, I do. I do. You'd be better off to do that. So, so the concept of this morning got milk. Last week we, so let's go to 1 Peter chapter number 2, verse 2, Jordan, if you don't mind. Let's just, let's just, let's just start from the beginning. Let's just, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Wherefore, so last week we, we told you, we gave you a list of things in the natural that would make you lose your appetite. Last week, I, I told you there were five things that will make a Christian lose its appetite. And here are the five. Whether you say, I'm full or I don't want any, but you come in here, this church house, and I'm telling you, I, I give you a, a buffet bar. I give it to you. And sometimes I'm just trying to force it down you. I'm trying to wear you down where you go, okay, I'll eat it. Just cram it in. But that's what I do sometimes. But these five things will cause you to lose your appetite for coming here and receiving the word. And the last thing I told you last week, sometimes you're just full of yourself. And when you get full of yourself, you have no room for God. Wow. Wherefore, laying aside all malice, we talked about malice last week, all guile, all hypocrisies, all envy, and all evil speaking. There are five things that will cause you to lose your appetite. Last week, we talked about malice. But before we do that, I want to look at the, the in verse number three. Um, go to verse three. If so, that you've been tasted that the Lord is gracious. So what I want you to do is this week, I want you to put these three verses together. It is okay to write in your Bible. It's okay. Now, it's not okay to write on the church pew, but it's okay to write on your Bible. And so what happens is, is that 
this word if predicates the two previous verses. Okay? Now, in the King James, it uses the word if, and it gives you a futuristic conditional response. So when you read this in the King James, you get the idea, well, if I do this and I do this, that's not what it says. So in order for us to get this correctly, that in the NIV it says, now that. You've tasted. In the New Century version it says, because of. The Amplified version says, in fact, you have already. And the lexicon, the Greek says, since. It's a past experience. So here's where this verse makes sense. He says, as newborn babes demand and desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow, then you should demand it and you should insist on it that you can grow spiritually in your salvation because you have already tasted of the word of God and he is good. He's not talking to you about try it, you'll like it. He's not that life commercial. He's telling you, as Hebrew talks about, he said, those have already been tasted of the things of God and, and been exposed to the things of God. He's telling the same audience this. He said, because of and since you have and because you already have partake of the things of God, nothing else will satisfy you like the word of God. Now, there's a, there's a saying in my household that, that my boys will say, but it says it's not like this. It's not mom's chicken fried steak. That's it. Now, if, if, if you don't know what that means, it means that my wife can make chicken fried steak. Yes, she made me a chicken fried steak birthday cake. Wow. We got pictures of it. Don't we, Melissa? So she started out with like a big old hunk of cow, and she made a chicken fried steak about this big, and then she covered it in gravy. And then she took another hunk of the twin brother of this cow and stacked it on top of that and then put another bowl of gravy. And I had about five or six layers of nothing but chicken fried steak and gravy. I saw Jesus. When the candles were lit, I knew it was the new Jerusalem coming down. And boy, I'm telling you. Oh, it was great. So the concept is this. When we go somewhere and we eat somewhere and kind of it's a family deal and and I, and, I, and, I, and I go to Steve's house and he fixes TV dinner. Somebody say, how was it? I said, well, it's not mom's chicken fried steak. There's just ways to put it. So watch this. He's telling you. Peter is telling you this. Since you already have, and once you've tasted it, and once you've experienced it, nothing else will satisfy you in your spiritual growth like the pure, sincere milk of the word. You can get off on tangents. You can follow other people. You can buy their little book. You can repeat their little sayings. It's all good. I call them parrot preachers because they have no intelligence. All they do is repeat what they heard. That's all they do. Rock, hello, hello, God is good. I mean, that's fine. But I'll tell you what, once you really and truly get into the depths of his word and the riches of his grace and understand it, not just logos, but ramos, and you understand how it works, Nothing else will compare to God's chicken fried steak sandwiches in the Word of God. And so the question is, I quit trying. I just quit trying. 
So nothing. So he says, since you have, or because you already have, or that, in fact, since you already have tasted the things of God, nothing else can satisfy. So you know the way I operate. I do things a little different. So I, I, I gave my, my own translation to these three verses. Can you bear with me? We'll read them together. Since you've already experienced the firsthand encounter with God, and you know without a doubt that he, that the Lord is good, so just like a newborn baby's demand and require pure milk, so then demand and insist on the pure word of God so that you will develop and mature in Christ. And, and when you change your diet to his word, well, you'll turn your nose at stuff up to his malice, guile, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speakings. These things will not only stunt your spiritual growth, but they're going to give you holy heartburn in the process. So last week we talked about malice going to your cabinet and cleaning out these five things that will stunt your spiritual growth. So we dealt with malice last week. And some of you put on Facebook and some of you sent me an email. Thank you for that. But I went to my cabinets and I'm starting to clean out. I'm cleaning out stuff that is no good for me anymore. Anybody ever cleaned out the icebox like one every seven years, you know? I mean, it, it, it started out to be a carrot. Now then it's turned into broccoli and asparagus and cauliflower. I mean, I mean you just got stuff back in there that you've been in for years. I'm telling you, it's no good for you. Just throw it These things that I'm going to give you will, will, will benefit you if you'll get rid of them out of your life. Because I said this one time, but a few years ago, we went to Iraq and, 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 and we, we pulled down the statue of Saddam Hussein and we raised up the American flag but I want you to know, the insurgents did not give up. The American flag was flying in that particular region because we conquered it, but there were still insurgents hiding in bunkers and potholes and foxholes. Just because Jesus Christ is Lord of your life and his flag of glory weighs upon your heart doesn't mean the insurgents of malice and hate and greed gives up in your life. You got to go get them. You got to go get them. It's a honeycomb effect. There's bunkers underground. And somebody said, well, I, I don't understand why I still have hate in my life. Jesus is the Lord of my life. Well, have you went and, and, and found them and, and destroyed them? Well, no, I thought that's what he did. No, that's what you do. He saves your soul. Your job is to go get these things and bring them to the foot of the cross. And the Bible says in Ephesians to bring every thought into captivity, Romans, every thought into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. That's our job. And so that is where, where we get a word for a cool, where we get a word for a by, by force with a spear in the back. So the idea of this this morning is that last week we talked about malice, and malice meant what? Explosive emotions. The original Mr. Hothead. Really? Remember, Mr. Nitro met Miss Glycerin and had a baby called Boomer. So what happens is, is that that's the first thing that we've got to learn to do is this. If we want to be a good witness... And if we want to grow, we've got to, we've got to do something about our explosive emotions, whether you're right or not. Okay? Because it's not good. It's not healthy. And it's not beneficial. So this morning, what we're going to look at is the second one. It's called guile. And I want you to know these five sins are horizontal sins. They're horizontal sins. That means... Things that we do to other people. 
Now, the word sins is, is harmatio, where we get a word for an archer term. It means to shoot an arrow into a target. It means to miss the mark. And these horizontal sins, listen to me, are very important because this. It means that we can cause people to miss the mark of hitting Jesus dead on. So we could sit here and we could say, Jesus loves you, and we can be nice to Steve if you want to. That's up to you. And you can say, with well, your clothes match, you got a haircut, you, you smell good, and you do all those things. And, 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 and he can leave this church saying, man, I felt pretty good about myself until you backed out in front of him or he backs in front of you and you jump out and you say, you idiot. In Jesus' name. You, know, you can say things like that. Well, whatever was accomplished here in this church went right down the toilet over that little dispute. Horizontal sins are sins that we commit against other people that cause them to lose their perspective and concept of, of, of hating towards Christ. This is why these are very important. Because if you can't control your temper, you're a horrible example of the body of Christ. Anybody here besides me had a trouble with controlling temper? The rest of you liars are going to hell. I'm going to tell you right now. Oh, I've heard you. We, we ain't got to pull up in your driveway. You didn't know it. We went to the front door right before we ran the doorbell. We heard the dishes. We did. They weren't being washed either. They were being slung. We heard it. So don't act so holy to me in here. So malice, Mr. Hothead, angry, horizontal sins. The second one is guile. Guile. Now this one's pretty important. Guile is a word, the Greek word for delo, where we get a word for deceit. Now the reason why this is so important, delo was a word that was specifically placed by Peter Specifically handpicked by Peter. Peter was a fisherman. And so, because he could handpick the words he's about to use, he uses this word guile. He could have used a bunch of words, but he used this word guile because he was a fisherman by trade, and the word delo, it means a decoy, a trick, bait. The definition is this. I'm deceiving the fish by using a decoy or bait. I'll have to cover up the obvious bare hook with and while sacrificing another's life. With no feelings or remorse so I can get what I want. It's crazy, isn't it? Somebody say, I'm glad I showed up for church today. Not only is Mr. Hothead a no-no, but now then we're going to get to a, the motive of what's going on. He uses the word guile. Now some translate it deceitfulness and other things, but guile is delo. It means, by definition, not only a noun, but a verb. He said, if I throw the bare hook into the water, ain't nothing going to bite it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to trick the fish. I'm going to deceive the fish. I'm going to delo the fish. And I will take the life of another living thing and I will impale it. And I don't care. And I, how many knows when you put that worm on the hook, uh, somebody says, does he feel that thing? He's not wiggling because he's excited. Boy, we ran that thing through there and juices flowed one side and out the other. But we're sacrificing another 
things alive in order to get what we want. Peter is, is fuming at this because this was prevalent in his time. False prophets, false teachers, false advertisement, lookalikes, fakes, hypocrites. And we're going to deal with hypocrites next week. It, it won't be that bad. Show up. We won't talk about you. <laughs> well, we might. But he said, you, we've come to a place, you, you, claim to be, you claim to be godly, you, can't, you claim to be followers of Christ, but not number one. You can't control your outburst. You can't control your emotions. You can't control it. You're explosive. Number two, and then you find yourself using other people to get what you want at their expense. The definition of greed is using others at their expense just to get what you want. And when we love stuff and use people rather than love people and use stuff, we've just committed Delo. Unfortunately, it's in the church. Unfortunately, it's in the workplace. Unfortunately, it's everywhere that, that, that it's, it's the Holy Trinity, me, myself, and I. And as long as I feel good and as long as I'm good and as long as I'm happy, I don't care who I have to sacrifice to make me feel good. And that seems to be the concept today. But that's not the concept of the body of Christ. That's not the mind of Christ. Philippians said that, that he, being equal with God, thought it not robbery to humble himself. And become lowly, even lowly as a man. And the idea is that, that he may have the mind of God, that he may reach humanity. And so we too, that not only that we have to learn to control our outbursts and our emotions and our anger and all this stuff because it's a bad witness. But number two, don't use other people just to get what you want. Let it be the opposite. Love people and use stuff you'll go longer in your journey with God. Now, this morning, before we close, I told you I'll take one at a time so it'll be simple. So this word guile has everything to do with, it's, it's kind of like, uh, oh, I don't know. I, I, can, I can name you a lot of narratives, but I'm not. I can, but I'm not. But, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like Elizabeth and Catherine singing this morning. Well, they're in competition, which they're not. But if they were, that Elizabeth said, well, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get you a glass of, of, of water. Here, drink this right before church. And really, what it's sour lemonade or persimmon juice. And she's locked up and she goes, there, I, got, I get to be the only singer. That's what I'm getting at. We, we do things to other people to get what we want. And it's not just at church. It's on the job, too. And maybe when you and someone else is up for the same promotion... And maybe the, something tells you, we'll, we'll plant that in their car or plant that in their locker room and you'll get promoted and they'll get demoted because, because the blessings of God belong to you anyway and they're just no sinner. That's not right. The word guile has everything to do is, is I'm just not going to sacrifice someone else's well-being just to make me look good. I'm not going to sacrifice their emotions and just to propel me forward. I'm going to take the high road. I'm going to do what Jesus did. And I'm willing to suffer the consequences, but I'm, I've got to sleep at night, and I want to do what's right. Amen? 
So what's funny about this, this word gal, is that Peter's a genius at writing this because he'll, he'll say things, and mostly the Jews, and, and you, some of you know it, but we'll make it clear to you today. So this is found in St. John chapter 1, verse 47. So here's the concept. Jesus has is, is just started his ministry. And, and in doing so, that Andrew and Peter, that, that Andrew first finds his brother Peter, and they're all declaring, come see the Messiah, and we've, we've seen this, and we've heard this, and this is the one that Moses talked about. And so on their way, they, they pick up Nathaniel, and they find him. He said, Nathaniel! And, and, and he said, what? And he said, come see the one that Moses wrote about. He is the Messiah. He's the one that we've been looking for. And, and Nathaniel says something like this. He said, well, where is he from? He said, well, he, he's from Nazareth. And this is, what, this is what Nathaniel said, really. He said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's what he says. That's what he says. Now, Jesus looks, and this is what he said. And Jesus, if, if he, watch this, this is funny. It's kind of funny, but I, I operate different than you. If it had been us, We'd have got all pouty. Come see a man of God that's from North Carolina. Well, is there anything good from North Carolina? Because the word Nazareth means Nestor. It means, it means burn out. Uh, the Romans did this. It, it, it was an, an olive orchard, and they went in and, and destroyed everything. So the word Nestor means poor, poverty. It didn't used to be, but it is now. So when you use the word Nazareth... It's not only a noun, but it's a verb. Wasteland. And he said, is there anything good can come out of Nazareth? Because the town represents the ghetto. Ghetto. And notice what Jesus said? He said, I like this guy. Watch this. And Nathaniel said unto him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Jesus saw him coming to him and said, behold, indeed, an Israelite whom there is no God. Now then, if you've been asleep, wake up. I want to explain this verse to you. In the Bible, certain names have meanings, of course. So Jesus is coming along, and for the first time that he sees Nathaniel over underneath the tree, and you know how this story goes, and, 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 and the disciple says, come see Jesus. He's from Nazareth, and, and this is what he says. He said, Ah, uh, there is nothing good can come out of Nazareth. I'm going to tell you right now. And Jesus spins around and says, I like that guy. He didn't get mad. He didn't get pouty. He didn't get his feelings hurt. I'm talking about Jesus. I mean, I mean, there's just ways that you can say things. Instead of saying, you know, I think you're losing weight, we say things like, well, you're not as fat as you used to be. There's ways of saying things. You know, somebody gets up there and sing, and somebody said, well, that's a great song, but I've heard better. No, you know, so really, I mean, really. So, so we just pow and go, well, I'm not singing anymore. And Jesus could have done the same thing. I just started my ministry. I haven't done anything wrong in here. I've got a heckler in the background. He said, I like him because here is an Israelite that has no guile. Has anybody read this besides me? You know what it means? Hang on before you say yes. Aletheos is a word for Israelite. It means kin or connected to. 
Here's an Israelite that it by definition means he's related or kin or connected somehow with someone else that's important in the Bible. And we know who that is. It's the only Israel in the Old Testament. Jacob. Exodus 35 verse 10, Jacob has a meeting with the angel. And the angel says, after he cripples him, he says, what is your name and what does Jacob say? My name is Jacob. So Jacob's name means deceiver, supplanter, used camel salesman, the original Mr. Deceit. He worked it on his own daddy. He put on a beard. He put on some deer urine. <laughs> I don't know why. Smelt like a goat. His name means, I'll cheat you. His name has implication, at any cost, I'll deceive you. His name originally, Jacob, means the one that you cannot trust and, 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 and the one that's loving you and got my hand in your back pocket and how much money you got. That's what his name means. Supplanter, deceiver, cheater. But watch this. He doesn't call him that. He calls him an Israelite. The prince. What's so important to this that has no God? Watch this. When you understand names, he's telling you he's not Mr. Deceiver. He's the opposite of a deceiver. He's an opposite of a cheater. He's an opposite of a supplanter. He's an Israelite. Watch this. When he looked at Nathan, he said, here's a man that on the inside that doesn't want to cheat anybody. He doesn't want to deceive anybody. He doesn't want to hurt anybody. He's wrestling for truth. And when it says in this scripture, watch this. Don't have malice and don't have any guile. It means in the opposite, it means this. Be people that have a calm spirit and that is wrestling with God for truth. I want to know you. And Nathaniel was under the fig tree wrestling with God for truth. As Jacob in the Old Testament was wrestling the angel for truth. I just want to know you. See, our foundation this morning is this, is that, that not only malice, the opposite of malice is to have a calm and a quiet spirit, but the opposite of God is this, is that we are wrestling God. We are searching for truth. And Jesus said, I like him. Because he's not trying to cheat anybody. He's not trying to put on a show. He's not trying to, to cover up a bare hook. There's no ill motives. Because how many knows Jesus can see his heart? He said, I saw you under the fig tree. I know what you were thinking. You're a true Israelite. You're kin to your old great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather Israel who wrestled God of saying this. I've been a cheater all my life. I've been a deceiver all my life. And from now on, I want to know truth. So when we go home this week and we take off explosive emotions and get rid of the nitro and the glycerin and all those explosive emotions look in the back and see if you see anything that says using other people for my own benefit is okay 
you may want to throw that out as well. So this is what we've got to do. We've got to love people and use stuff. And we'll be all right. But if you love stuff and use people, you'll get heartburn. So for all the people that follow through this door and follow through their lives and whether you approve or disapprove, but this is the idea in the case is this. You, you don't have dominion over anyone. We have dominion over nothing as far as individuals. All we can do is plant seeds and water and let God take care of that. But in the process, there's some things we can't do. Don't blow up on them. Don't snap at them. Don't lose your temper because how many knows that God was gracious to you and number two, don't use them. Give yourself away. Don't walk in church and say, oh, yeah, Carrie, I know what she does for a living. She, she digs septic tanks for a living. I know. I'll, I'll get to like her so she'll come dig my septic tank for free. That's what I'll do, and that's not right. But if you want to come do that, I'll let you. But besides that, but you know what? The idea is this. You know, here's Carrie. And God, what can I do to serve her? What can I do to improve her life? What can I do to humble myself and make her life better? That's no God. So this morning when we leave this place, that's what we're after. Like Jacob of old. He said, I don't want to be a cheater no more. I don't want to deceive nobody. I'm not putting on a show. I'm not trying to cover up a bear hug. I'm not trying to get you to bite nothing. All I'm doing is I'm under this tree and I'm searching for truth. And I will tell you, the Holy Spirit will find you and He'll reveal to you the goodness of God. Father, the second thing that, that comes our way on a regular basis, a daily basis, every other minute basis is guile. It's using other people and other things to get what we want. And that's just not who you are. Your word declares that you endured the cross for the joy that is set before you. You didn't bypass it. You didn't push other people in front of you. But you suffered it. You drank from the bitter cup and you laid down your life. No man took it. You gave your life that we could have eternal life. No God. So this week, I, I hope that somewhere in our quiet time that we would begin to remove guile from our life, using other people to benefit ourselves. That's not the heartbeat of Jesus. Help us to be like Israel of old, wrestling with the angel. We want to know truth. Because the truth will make us free. Let that be said of us today in this small church. Father, we pray that you would heal heavy hearts today. We pray that you would, by the Holy Spirit, you would encourage one another. We keep Neil close to our hearts and our prayers. And I pray anybody this morning that is looking for truth, struggling for truth, wrestling for truth, that it can be found. Help us to desire the sincere milk of the word that we can grow in our salvation. 
And for whatever faces this week, you will give us strength for that day. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a praise offering this morning, if you would, please, huh? Turn about two people and say, listen, I love you. I really don't need anything from you. I just love you. I had trouble liking you, but I like you now. Let's stand this morning. Communion service, if you'll make your way. God is good all the time. So here's the thought this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, since you've already tasted, since you've already experienced the goodness of God, since you're fully aware of His presence in your life, and since you've already partaken of God's chicken fried steak spiritually, nothing else will satisfy you. So, Father, we need your word and we need your presence in our life every day. We need them both to be working in our life. And as we celebrate the cup and we just celebrate the bread, we're remembering you and your final words that you give us. That until I come, the body represents the bread. My blood will represent the cup. Do it in remembrance of me. And so that's what we're going to do until you come for us. Father, bless this cup and bless this bread. And everyone that partakes of it, they will have life and life abundantly. In Jesus' name, amen.